Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. But I hope everyone's doing excellence tonight. I think we're, I, I see Twitter is kind of lagging behind, but we're going to get started with tonight's program. I hope everyone's doing great. This beautiful Wednesday, January 19th, I am Zach Kelberman, joined by my co-host this evening, Scott Kennedy, filling in once more for Chad Jensen, who's down right now with the bug that shall go unnamed. And I feel like a little bit he transferred that bug through the phone when I talked to him because... <laughs> I have like a sore throat going on, you know, I'm kind of tired. I feel like I'm getting sick. Hopefully it's not anything serious, but how are you doing, Scott? I hope well, better. You know, I'm I, I kept thinking, you know, I have to have it. I, I just have to. Every nope. uh, I'm just, I'm just old and tired. And you know what? I'm not getting any better. <laughs> As time goes on, I'm still old and tired, but that's why I love doing these shows. These shows... They amp up my energy levels. Of course, you know, then I go into like deep depression as I come back down off the shows afterwards. But no, I, I really like doing these. So uh, I'm doing well. It's been um, it's it's a fun time of year. It's it's with all the coaching stuff. It kind of helps kill a little bit of time until uh, in, until the game's coming up this weekend. And then, you know, we're another day closer to Senior Bowl. We're another day closer to the draft. We're another day closer yep. to new Broncos head coach and a new beginning. If anyone out there questions Scott's devotion to the podcast, he said he goes through a depressive episode when he finishes a show in between shows. He does so much every every week now for us, producing and doing shows with Nick and co-hosting with me. It's been a really fun time, but we're going to get into some coaching news that we have today. The Broncos conducted two more head coaching interviews, both of them with defensive-minded assistants. Uh, we're going to get into the details of that. This is coming off yesterday's meetings. We didn't get to go over that because obviously... Uh, we weren't on last night, but the Broncos on Tuesday in the Dallas area sat down with Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore and defensive coordinator uh, Dan Quinn. And Dan Quinn, as we all know, is the rumored favorite. He's the apple of George Payton's eye. And from what I'm hearing and what I'm understanding, he interviewed really well, as did Kellen Moore and as did Nathaniel Hackett, who the Broncos met with last week, along with Aaron Glenn and Luke Getze. But it still seems like a two-horse race between Hackett and Quinn. Quinn with Quinn, the slight favorite, but today the Broncos met with two more head coaching candidates. They're down to, you know, they've interviewed six now of the 10. Two more today were Gerard Mayo, Patriots inside linebackers coach and met with him in the Providence area. And also Eagles defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, who they sat down with in Philadelphia. Like I said, four more to go. They have Kevin O'Connell and uh, Brian Callahan tomorrow. O'Connell in Los Angeles and Callahan remotely. And they have Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, on Friday to wrap up the coaching search. And hopefully we have a decision after that. Again, as of right now, it seems like Quinn's the favorite, but there's a few dark horses in the race. Uh, we have an article we want to go over uh, where Woody Page, the Broncos insider columnist for the Denver Gazette, said that Callahan and O'Connell, you know, don't count them out just yet, even though Quinn interviewed really well. So that's the latest. Scott, what do you make of it? Listen up, Broncos country. Tick Pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. Tick Pick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore because Tick Pick 
That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home Broncos versus Jets tick pick had us locked down so visit tickpick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save ten dollars on your first order of Broncos tickets I don't know I think it'll be a little anticlimactic although I think Quinn's going to be a, a, a good hire wherever he ends up I, I like Dan Quinn um, I like what he's going to bring to a team especially a team that's in need of a, an infusion of energy uh, I think he will definitely bring that. But if we go through all of this and it ends up being the guy we thought it was going to be all along, it's, I don't know. That's to me, Zach, it's just a, it's a little anticlimactic. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I was hoping that Peyton didn't go into this with one candidate in mind and nothing can sway him because that would give me shades of John Elway in 2017, going with Vance over candidates like Kyle Shanahan or even Dave Tobe, the chiefs, special teams coordinator. Before we get into more tonight, Scott, I feel like we should shout out some people in the room with us. Beto Garcia, as always, Colin Wood. I'm just highlighting some of your questions and on comments that I see. Luke Wright, what's up, Broncos country? Uh, Zach Williams wants to know, not just yet. He's not announced. Uh, they're going to go through the interviews probably, as Tyler here says, next week sometime. Uh, Silent One says, hello, Scott. So you have a personal shout out. So does Dylan. Dylan doesn't like me anymore. Just you, Scott. So well, I he was says, in hello. early. I was in early. So uh, those are, you'll notice I came in. I'm always here before y'all and uh, I'll yeah. hop into the chat and say, hello, good evening. Also, they were responding to me because I, I went into YouTube and say, hey, so don't take it personal. I was just I earlier. You were uh, working. You were actually working. I'm sitting here twiddling my thumb doing mock drafts on Pro Football Network's <laughs> mock draft simulator. I was going to say early doesn't register with me. I don't know what early is, but we have a, a super here, a quick early super from Allison uh, Ralchik. Ralchik. I'm going to just say, Reichlich. I'm going to just say Addison dollar 99 super. Thank you so much. In my opinion, Addison says hiring Quinn will decide on Peyton's longevity. Yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly taken a gamble going against the grain with another defensive mind, but in so many ways, Dan Quinn is not Vic Fangio. So you'd feel a little more comfortable with Quinn being the leader of men. But as I put out on Twitter yesterday, and we talked about on Monday's podcast, Scott, if they go with Dan Quinn, then the offensive coordinator hire, whoever that may be, whether that's Luke Getze, Mike McDaniel, whoever, that's infinitely more important than the head coaching hire. All right. I, I, you want to talk about being able to build a staff. Now, I mentioned what a mistake it was hiring Steve Sarkeesian to replace Kyle Shanahan. But let's take a look. I sent this to you, Zach, earlier today. Yeah. Let's take a look at that 2016 Atlanta Falcons staff that Dan Quinn had the head coach. Okay, Raheem Morris, former head coach, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, was a wide receivers coach. He's now the defensive coordinator for the LA Rams and getting interviews. Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, Mike McDaniel, all three of those guys were on staff. Now, you're obviously not going to get all of those guys, but you could end up with a Mike McDaniel to come in and be offensive coordinator. You get the quarterback coach under LaFleur to come in and be maybe on your staff, be your offensive coordinator. And you get a, a guy who can energize a team and the players want to play for. There's reasons. I know, like I said, it's anticlimactic, but there's reasons to be really excited if Dan Quinn gets this job. Yeah, and if you hire someone like Luke Getze, there's so many around the NFL who believe, and even Aaron Rodgers, that Luke Getze is a head coach in waiting, the ne next great up-and-coming young mind. So if you go with Dan Quinn you're, and Luke Getze, you're basically, in a sense, getting two head coaches on one staff, and that's what's important for me. Mike McDaniel is another great choice. That's another future head coach. But if you go with Dan Quinn, he doesn't work out. If you have the equivalent of a Kellen Moore underneath him, so a Getze or a McDaniel, you can fire Quinn and promote the offensive coordinator you would have that head coach in waiting. It's so important for the Broncos to have their own pipeline and not keep pilfering from other teams. So I know the state of being is a, a friendly uh, a friendly phrase around here is, you know, it's not a location. It's a, it's a state of being for, for Broncos country. But yes, sir. Broncos country is pretty damn strong in Georgia. I'll tell you that. With Mark from Georgia, I'm in Atlanta. Mark Lynn Mood is here all the time. There are several of us 
that are that are representing Broncos country in the state of Georgia. So Mark, welcome. He says, "What's up, my guys? We appreciate the uh, the super." Mark, he says, "Hackett, machete." <laughs> I like it. And hey Scott. Hey Kelberman. So good evening. Appreciate you being here, Mark. Mark is the God King on the podcast, Scott. As you know, he is one of the most generous people I've ever come across. And uh, Mark knows how much he's appreciated. Good to see you, Mark. Hope you're having a great start to your week. I hope I hope you're having a great hump day. Wednesday, as is everyone out there. Uh, what else we got here? I saw some comments that I want to get to. So they asked about... I like the question at 24 that was on Facebook from, uh, from Kevin Lind. Okay. He says, how does one owner being more rich than another affect the team when every team has the same cap limit? Does a cap come directly from owner's account and it all depends on how much money they want to spend or what? It's a good question. And it comes in, you're more flexible when you have more cash. And typically a lot of these are basically corporate owned. A lot of these teams are corporate owned. So you're not, you don't have too much flexibility, but signing bonuses, when you need to move on from a guy, hey, can I buy out this coach's contract? You know, if I've got Liberty Media as my ownership group of this team, maybe I'm not allowed to come up with the $12 million I wanted to fire Vic Fangio last year to pay off his contract. Maybe I can't get $20 million, $30 million signing bonus to bring in Aaron Rodgers. That's when it starts mattering who your owners is. Um, a lot of times you should have, based on your operating capital, which is in the billions, it's in the hundreds of millions a year for, for an NFL team, you should have a budget that you can work with. But when you need to go outside of that budget to get a little creative, it's good to have an owner that uh, that has a little extra cash on hand. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And basically, this is the question I wanted to talk about. And you mentioned Aaron Rodgers and Eric Figueroa chiming in. And he wants to know the possibility of the Broncos trading back in the draft for more picks. Guys, we're going to kind of interweave the show tonight with questions that you have and comments. We're going to get to the coaching stuff. But we covered kind of the nuts and bolts. We'll come back to it. We want to bop around and see what y'all have to say tonight. Um, but in terms of the Broncos trading back, if they do pick up an Aaron Rodgers, what would be their second biggest need? Or, or Russell Wilson or Kirk Cousins, whatever quarterback, would go the, vet, the veteran route. Their next biggest need, arguably, is edge rusher. Or I say edge and right tackle. Where, and where, it, where, are the, where are the places, other than quarterback, I can improve this team the most? Edge? Um, I, I'd say edge first also. I agree with you there. Um, and, and I think not only – it's all – synergy here um the edge helps out your interior lineman you know we were a little disappointed yeah. this year in shelby harris's play um mike purcell all these guys well maybe shelby harris is playing better if he's got a better edge next to him who's more of a threat when you got malik reed getting blocked out of the play by tight ends it means guards and tackles have their way to to go after uh to go after after shelby harris if, if they needed to use a tackle to chip on the edge and make sure that he was being handled, all of a sudden things open up a little bit more for your two in, your ends, your two ends and a three, four. So edge, number one for me, right tackle number two. And after that, I'm just looking for, you know, the, the old best available right. player, you know, who's, who's best, uh, who's my best fit for, for straight out talent. But I'd argue you could probably use another, you couldn't have, an, you can't have enough DBs. We saw that this year. Seemed like you had a bunch of them. And you were scraping, scraping bottom of the barrel. So someone doesn't live up to the hype. Someone, you know, a free agent comes in and doesn't get it done. Two guys go down with injuries. All of a sudden, you know, one of the big questions in August, Zach, was what are we going to do with Patrick with Patrick Sertan? Where is he going to play? Well, you needed him everywhere by the third week right. of the season. Yeah, and to your point about better edge play, you know, helping out the interior linemen, you know, I, I, it, it brings me happiness to think about what Draymond Jones could be with better play around him and, and more active outside linebackers taking up blockers. So I definitely agree with that. One last point before I hop into a super from Jonathan Figueroa. I'm not sure any relation to Eric. Um, if they go the linebacker route, I would trade back potentially for Nicobe Dean. He right now he's kind of my guy. The case that you laid out was spectacular. <laughs> that guy that sold me right away. I don't know. I go number nine on him. I think it's a little too rich for my blood. But you trade down to maybe the late teens, early twenties, and take him. That's an option. Or or it's unlikely if Peyton goes the quarterback route in the first round. Number nine is way too early, but they might move down. Those are the two scenarios where they might trade back. And with George Peyton, who stockpiles picks like they're gold, it's certainly a possibility. Yeah, I just, with N'Kobe Dean, it's just what else does he do for your team other than play a, a plus linebacker position? 
you've got your defensive quarterback. You've got the guy that's going to make everybody around him better because he knows everybody's job. He knows what's coming. I mean, I'm exaggerating to a certain extent, but that you, I mentioned before, you hear sometimes it's like, oh, we were a little predictable. Their dang linebacker was calling out our plays before we ran them. That's N'Kobe Dean. I mean, he didn't just graduate in three years from the University of Georgia. He actually got an engineering degree. Um, you know, most of these guys were in management or, you know, something like that. Early childhood development. They're, they're, they're there to play football, to quote. Uh, they're not there to, to play school, to quote Cordero Jones. And he was right. He was right. These guys, they don't, they don't care what you, what you make of your edu- of your scholarship is entirely up to you because all the coaches care about is their seven-figure salaries and making sure you stay eligible. And it's hard to do that when you're taking legit uh, majors like engineering in three years. And then to go out there and just kick butt like he does, not just kick butt, but kick his teammates' butts in the gear. Yeah, I'm a Kobe Dean fan. You know, what always stuck with me was at Stanford, wasn't Andrew Luck like an architectural engineer major or something like that or rocket science? It was something spectacular. And it's like he was the combination of, you know, amazing quarterback, amazing student, amazing person. But Jonathan hopping in there, 499 Super. Thank you so much, Jonathan. This is more for you, Scott. He goes, I'm in Kennesaw right down the road from you. I really would love to get Hackett for head coach, rock on Broncos. Uh, Scott, I'll let you address the Kennesaw part and the, and the you know, the geolocation yep. part to that. Kennesaw's going north up the, up the, north up from the city center and to the left a little bit. And if you go just a shade farther, like this much farther, you run into Justin Fields. So Justin Fields is from right there. And then you go a little bit farther on 75 and you get yep. Trevor Lawrence. So those two guys were about 15, 20 minutes apart in Cartersville and Kennesaw. And uh, that's where Jonathan is. So good area, good area. And, um, and we learned if you run into Justin Fields, he'll turn the ball over. <laughs> so, Scott, let me ask you real quick. I want to get some more supers. As of right now, it's Wednesday, January 19th, 6.33 Mountain Time. Who is your preferred head coach for the Broncos? Who would you pick if you're George Payton? Oh, God, it's hard because, you know, Zach, I say all the time, and Claude, appreciate the stars, my man. Appreciate the, the support coming in on Facebook. Um I am, I'm biased because I like Dan Quinn. So there's my bias. Like I said, we're all biased. What is yours? Do you recognize it? Can you compensate for it? It makes me nervous that a guy that I really like could go to a place and fail and be hated by a group that I also really like. It's kind of the same thing. Uh, as y'all know, I'm a big, I'm a big soccer fan. Uh, I root for a, a big team in England called Chelsea Football Club. My favorite player was Christian Pulisic, a U.S. international, USA guy. Well, he went to Chelsea. I'm like, mm, I don't like that because if he's struggling, man, they're all over him. I don't want to see. I'm almost afraid of seeing Dan Quinn go to the Broncos and fail. It makes me nervous. I'd rather see uh, Nathaniel Hackett come in and do well. And, and I don't have that risk because I don't know anything about this guy. Yeah. Um, I think they're both, the energy they bring are both really, really good hires um, I think for the longer term, I would probably rather have Nathaniel Hackett. If I think I've got a shot at winning the whole thing in the next two years, I'd rather have Dan Quinn. I have a uh, Nathaniel Hackett had a presser today as the Packers get ready for their playoff game. I have it on my Twitter right now. If anyone wants to check it out uh, at Kelberman NFL, if you guys don't follow me already, his charisma, his energy and his football insight. It, it's so refreshing and it's so addictive to watch. I'm rooting for the guy, regardless of whether he goes to the Broncos or not, he deserves to be a head coach and some team is getting a good coach if they hire him. Uh, but Josh hopping in here, Josh Alstrom, 499 super. Thank you so much, Josh. Hope you're having a great night. He goes, if a trade doesn't help us have high-profile picks, I think trying to convert Baron Browning might be our best bet at getting that elite guy. Oh, man, I'm so torn because I, I don't know that I look at Baron Browning and I see, like, all pro caliber. I see good starter, capable starter, blue-collar guy. You could get by with him, but you can upgrade on him, too. I don't see Patrick Willis. I don't see Luke Keekley. I don't see Micah Parsons. I, I do like Baron Browning a lot, but the injury jacket he's already accumulated, that's kind of scary, and I, I just, I don't know. He has some warts to his game. He's not rock solid all the time in run coverage. He blows his responsibilities in pass coverage at times. He was a rookie, and he's playing with a bunch of depleted players around him, but I, I, I don't know, Scott. Maybe you uh, differ in your opinion. I just don't see that ten-year no, starter I, in Baron Browning. I think there's a reason he dropped to the like the fourth round. You know, uh, he, he's it's, it wasn't just positional value. You know, if you're a 
one of those guys, a Patrick Willis, D'Amico Ryan's type of guy, you, you go higher than that. So that was a really good pick. And can he be a very serviceable player? Absolutely. Can you, and in the word that you just used, uh, Zach, you, you could upgrade on him for sure. Uh, you don't need to. So if I've got two guys level and it's my pick, or I've got three guys level on my board, one's a linebacker, one's a corner, and one's a, a, an interior lineman, I'm probably going in a different direction because I'm like, you know what? I feel good about Baron Browning. Um, I, I'd also like to say there's a reason we've talked about Josie Jewell coming back. I'd like to see him with another year, another year of, of having Josie Jewell playing with him and mentoring him and some of the, these young linebackers. So um, he might end up, there's nothing but upside. You can still get better. And, and he's got the physical tools. I think he was a very well-testing player. But you could you could upgrade there. with You could for sure. Yeah, Josh, I'll clarify this here. Convert him to edge if we don't have a first-round pick. I'm not wild about that. I mean, keep him at one spot. We all saw what happened to Demarcus Walker when he tried to shoehorn a player into both spots. You end up getting a player that's not good in either spot. Let him learn inside linebacker. You have a potential starter. He has some experience. you got to get that blue-chip edge rusher, though. You can't get by on the Malik Reeds. You can't get by on the Cooper. As much as I, li- as I, as I like him, he's not that game-changing outside linebacker. They need that presence off the edge. I don't think Bradley Chubb, until proven otherwise, Scott, is that. And I'm not experimenting with converting Baron Browning. Leave him there and go get someone better. That's a pure edge guy. I have seen him rush the passer, but I think rush the passer. Boy, did I screw that up. Rush. I'm with you tonight. But I think it's more of a uh, a fifth guy, more of an outside linebacker in a 4-3, as opposed to a, a stand-up defensive end in a 3-4, where you're only sending four guys, and he's one of the edge guys. An edge edge in a, in a 3-4 is basically a, a hybrid almost, a, a defensive end, outside linebacker. I don't think he's that guy, but I think he could be a Will Sam coming in off, off, off the as a blitzing in a 4-3. I think he could do that for sure. I've seen him do that before. But not necessarily playing as one of the uh, one of the front five in a in a uh, in a three four. That's a good point. That it kind of depends on whoever the Broncos' next defensive coordinator, head coach is, the scheme. If they go to a four three or three four, they could impact Barons. Uh, where he plays and his impact. But at the worst, you have a guy who can play outside linebacker and was a starting inside linebacker. So keep him where he is. Let him develop. Uh, Jonathan Hobson again, 999 Super. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Really appreciate that. Uh, Scott, he says, I own Auto Experts Repair. Shout out. And service in Kennesaw. And Justin Fields' dad is actually one of my customers. Pretty cool. Zach, what's the cons on Quinn and the cons on Hackett? The cons on Quinn, he's not an offensive guy. That's number one. Uh, They need to go the other way, I think, after failing with VJ and failing with Vic. I'm not comparing Quinn to Vic. They're different in a lot of ways. But, you know, two strikes, you don't want to strike out with the third guy. It's time to go the other direction. You're seeing uh, young coaches in the division what they can do, around the NFL what they can do. Most of them are offensive minds, so that's number one. Number two is he came up pretty small in the playoffs. I mean, people regard Dan Quinn like he's Buddy Ryan in his prime. He he really is not that good. He gets a lot out of his players, but uh, he's not the perfect, blemishless candidate either. Um that would be the biggest thing to me. And also his track record. He he was, what, 43 and 41 or 44 and 42 at career as a head coach. He was treading water 500. He See, didn't. You got you to gotta take that out of your mind. 500 in Atlanta is like 750 somewhere else. 500 is good. Yeah. For the but in the NFL, Falcons. it's not much. You know, that makes that's... him like the third winningest coach of all time for the Atlanta Falcons in 60 years. I just, I want more than mediocrity. And also his offensive coordinator hirings. Obviously he lucked into uh, Kyle Shanahan, but he also lived and died by Dirk Cutter. It's kind of like what Vic did with Pat Shermer. So there are some shades of Vic. You know, he's a good rah-rah guy. That's the pro. He He's a high energy guy, good leader, uh, a real leader of men, a galvanizing presence for the locker room, but just not being the offensive mind and going against the grain. That's the con of Quinn. I'll throw this over to you, Scott, real quick about uh, Hackett, though. I want to say he doesn't have the experience. 
he, we don't know if he can lead a whole team. He's a first-year coach, and the Broncos conversely fail with first-year coaches in VJ and Vic. They might not want to go that route. They might want an experienced guy, new ownership coming in. They want a steady hand, and we don't know if Hackett can do that job. He also doesn't call plays. That would be Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. He also has some guy named Aaron Rodgers quarterbacking that team. That probably helps a little bit. And people point to Hackett's background in Jacksonville, and they talk about Blake Bortles and his... I think you broke it down recently. I was listening to you, Scott, that he was like, he had, uh, who was the quarterbacks? Was it EJ Manuel one year and uh, somebody yeah, it else? Was, it was guys that were forgettable for sure. And um, they were middle of the pack. Yeah, they, 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 I've already forgotten. I wrote it down and did that show. I'd have to go back and look who he had. It's like, okay, what did you do uh, until, but I remember it was who came in after him was Tyrod Taylor. Right. Uh, and then all of a sudden they jump from like 23rd to 13th in offense. I'm like, man, yeah, matters who you got. So my, my con on Hackett, uh, Zach hit on a few of them, the, the inexperience there. But this, the, another one is, is can he put a staff together? That's, you know, the, the, who you hire is as important as anything. Uh, you're, the coach that you hire is, for me, the biggest uh, job that a head coach has. So can, does he have the ability to put a staff together? No. Having being the Denver Broncos and and all of those things are a good draw, but will you can he recruit guys to come in and, and and be his staff and not just his buddy the quarterbacks coach as an offense corner? What about the defensive side of the ball? Uh, another part that that for me that that Zach also mentioned was you know if you're not calling the plays, okay, I'm okay. He's got play calling in his background somewhere, I'm sure, but. I'm, I'm reticent to to go get the guy who was coaching Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers just does things. He makes ordinary look extraordinary. He can make it look extraordinary and you can be okay at your job. And Aaron Rodgers is going to boost how he's going to, he's going to make you look good. Um, those are the cons. Um, the, again, for me, the pros on both of them, is just the, the, I'll say it before, you know, everybody drink culture change, the culture change that either one of these two guys bring is so desperately needed with the Denver Broncos right now. It just absolutely is. Uh, Rodney coming in, appreciate the stars and want to say hello to a, a few folks who have been very patient coming in also on Facebook. Good to uh, see Michael, you, Michael. Ronquillo coming in with some stars. <clears throat> um, and let me come down here a little bit. And Kevin Lynn, he says, uh, he says, I haven't donated for a while. Thanks for still answering oh, all of my good, questions. Oh, good, buddy. Hey, our pleasure. You got good questions. So it makes for better content and good show. And he comes in as a thank you with some stars. So, Kevin, certainly appreciate you. I think I'm the only one that doesn't call you Zebulon because I read the whole <laughs> name. Most of, these, most of these young guys can only get through half a tweet before they tune out. So Semantic, semantic, Scott. You. You're, I, you are a legend, Zebulon. We appreciate you. And as Chad always says, we're just here for y'all's interaction. It's not a matter of supers and this and that. Just interact with us, ask us questions, debate us. That's what we're here for. Scott, I want to tack on one thing. You made a good point about the youth of Nathaniel Hackett putting together a staff. <laughs> you seem shocked. Putting I know. Together I, a staff. <laughs> you, you've, you, in, the, in the past five minutes, you, you said I listened to you and I had a good point. That, that just... I don't get it. I'm confused now. Don't get used to it. But he, he <laughs> he's so young. Um, he he doesn't maybe have those connections around the NFL like Dan Quinn does. Dan Quinn's been around the block as a head coach, as an assistant. He knows a lot of people. Nathaniel Hackett might not have that Rolodex. So building the best staff, that might be a con working against Hackett as well. well and, and you know, Dan Quinn is beloved, basically. You know, right. there you, you can't find anybody that's going to say a bad thing about Dan Quinn, the person. Will somebody, would somebody want to come work for Dan Quinn? Yeah. Is he too easy of a boss? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, the loyalty to a fault is a little, if he, his, one of his biggest mistakes was, you know, again, going back to Dirk Cutter, hiring um, Steve Sarkeesian and not firing him after mm. year one. Those were mistakes. So he needs, and, and I think, with experience, you know, once you get canned, you look back over your shoulder and said, you know what, I should have been a little more ruthless. It didn't do these guys any good uh, for me to stick by them if we all ended up getting fired. You know, there's some truth to that. Look what Belichick did. And I know he had Tom Brady, but after Cleveland, he was the head coach there. People kind of forget that. And he was definitely forgettable to be kind in the new England. He had the second stint and some coaches just do better on their second stint. That is Again, the hope for talking, Dan Quinn. The Patriots weren't the Patriots when they hired Belichick weren't the Patriots that we've come to know by any stretch of the imagination, but they still weren't the Browns. Right. They still weren't the Browns. I was a big Bledsoe um, guy. Say so. this, 
as a Cleveland-born, uh, raised in Atlanta, two of the most dysfunctional sports cities you'll ever find, and the Cleveland Browns and Atlanta Falcons, if you can get any kind of success in either one of those two places, you're doing really, really well for yourself. Two great sports towns, though, indisputably. Uh, Jonathan Figueroa hopping in again. Thank you so much, Jonathan. 499 Super. Jonathan goes, I think our best need non-quarterback is right tackle. I think everyone on the line this year regressed, especially Cushenberry. Bowles was disappointing as well. Yeah, he kind of fell apart down the stretch, went back to being bad Garrett Bowles, and you can argue he got paid, and Shelby Harris did as well, and they kind of just pull back. It might be just like a human trait you know they can't control that but they have to definitely upgrade you can argue any spot on the offensive line we talk about right tackle for sure they have to get that blue chip guy but uh Dalton Reisner left guard he was pretty bad I shall say Cushenberry is upgradable and I do like um Quinn Miners at right guard I think he's the most stable blue chip presence they have right now they're gonna hold on to Bowles for one more year and hope that it was a a fluky year under Munchak, and he might not even be there on this coaching staff this year, Mike Munchak, but um, I would definitely, above all else, you need that edge protection. It starts there. Whatever quarterback is playing quarterback for Denver next year, they need that those edge guys locked down, and I would definitely, for sure, if not quarterback, if not edge rusher, I would do right tackle. In the yeah, first and the, either way, and the, the thing is, is at nine, you should have one or the other. You should have your right. choice of a good offensive tackle, and, you know, at that at that age, I don't necessarily care about right or left. You know, give me an offensive tackle and I'll put him at right for a while until we get done of uh, get done with, you know, d- d- decide what we want to do with bowls. That's OK with me. I'm not too worried about, well, he played left tackle in college. So what? We'll make him a right tackle for a little while. Uh, if we go with a first round draft pick like uh, like Cross, if he were to fall from Mississippi State, if he, he ends up going at nine. Um, I agree with you 100%. Um, there was one other point in there that I was going to make, and I forgot the, what was the, the first part of that bowl sweet. It was, uh, but, oh, it was with, with the line, um, better offensive coordinating will make this line look better as well. True. Uh, and, and we talk about, yeah, talk about, oh, did they run a screen? Why does it seem like every time I'm watching one of the teams that I'm following, either the Broncos or the Falcons, every time they run a screen, the ball is thrown and the ball carrier is surrounded by three guys. Every time a screen is run against either of these two teams, it's a jailbreak. Yeah, goes for 30. They dump it right over the top, and the, the ball yeah. carrier catches it, and he's got three of his own guys leading the floor. It's like they're they're in your playbook. They absolutely are in your playbook. And the screen is great. It's it's awesome. I love a well a well done screen pass. I didn't see many of them from the Denver Broncos. I saw plenty against the Denver Broncos. Um, better offensive coordinating, more consistent play across the board will come will follow. And quarterbacking as well. It's a great point about the the coaching and the play calling. But quarterbacking that's that's part of the equation when you want to dump the pass off and get it done with synchronicity. But our pal hopping in, it's a pretty interesting question that I. Uh, bandied about on Twitter earlier, who would be a great special teams coach? I can't look at you guys and and say with a straight face that I know every special teams up-and-coming assistant around the NFL. That's secondary, I feel like, to the head coach and the offensive and defensive coordinators. Um, I would maybe raid someone on Dave Tobestaff, the Chiefs special teams coordinator. He's like one of the best in the business. I would just look for the best special teams teams and just get one of their guys and see if they want to come over. One guy to keep in mind, though, is Thomas McGahee. I believe the Broncos show interest. Might have been two, three years ago. He was in Carolina. I believe he's a free agent now or you know, eligible to be hired by the next coaching staff. He's one name to keep in mind. But, pal, uh, someone pointed out to me, what if the Broncos brought in Rich Basaccia, who was the interim Raiders head coach and special teams coordinator? He deserves to me, maybe you disagree, Scott, a legit head coaching shot. What he did with that team, as dysfunctional as they were, you talk about a leader of men. He was what Vic Fangio should have been, despite being around the same age, despite having that curmudgeon-y kind of get-off-my-lawn type of vibe. If the Broncos could get him, sign me up in a heartbeat and then wake me up because I'm dreaming. Yeah, can he sustain it? Uh, the, the new coach bounce when you get a different a, a culture change that I expect to happen for the Denver Broncos, but then can you sustain it beyond the year? He, he had his interview. Uh, uh, what's his name? Scaraccio, Scandrillo. I get this guy. These guys confused. The Raider-term coach. He had oh, his interview today for a chance to go and, and – for a chance to go and get it for sure. So uh, for me, special teams coach is the nepotism hire. So who's got a son, nephew, somebody coming up 
that wants to get into coaching, they're going to make him a special teams coach. It's just, I don't, I don't look that deep because that's an, that's the entry level position for somebody who's coming up through the ranks, whose dad, uncle, or somebody is either an owner or a coach or something like that. So I don't look, I don't look that deep into special teams. Apologies. <laughs> as long as they're not in any way, shape or form related or associated with uh, Tom McMahon, just avoid that tree altogether. Dennis Woods, $5 super. Thank you so much, Dennis, as always hopping in and showing support. Dennis wants to know, Scott, does George Payton have any say about the coordinators or is that strictly the new coach's decision? I'm sure he, he even said in his press conference after he fired Vic, the next head coach the candidates he brings in they have to have a plan for the offense whether they're of the offensive mind or the defensive mind they have to present their vision their plan their goals for the Broncos offense and I guess part of that presentation PowerPoint or otherwise Scott would be what what coordinators what assistants would you be eyeing and there's that rumor that Dan Quinn was already building his staff behind the scenes to come over to the Broncos if he gets that job George Payton will have input I'm sure he would kind of nudge the head coach along to what he thinks the Broncos should have uh at that spot but you have to give the power and the um the accessibility to the new head coach to pick his own guys and get his new guys in the building. It's so important that they feel empowered enough to surround themselves with like-minded people who they think they can win with. So it, it would be a collaborative effort. So it, it would absolutely be a collaborative effort. The, the Peyton would have the ability to cross anybody out, say, okay, here's the list of guys. Like I'm, I'm presenting Zach's the general manager. I'm the coach. Uh, Zach, here's the three guys I want to go after. Does this look good to you? And you'll say, yeah, that looks good to me. And frankly, where where he's got the most power is I want to see that list probably before I hire you. And if I don't like it, right. you know, you're not going to get the job. So I he George Payton has the ultimate authority in who are the coordinators going to be because he's the one hiring the head coach and he's the one that can fire the head coach. If the head coach doesn't do something that George Payton likes, he can absolutely put the kibosh on it without a doubt. He's the boss. Jonathan, again, this is the Figueroa dominated uh, huddle up podcast tonight. Thank you so much, Jonathan. 999 Super. Uh, also, uh, defensive back is a minor need for us. Darby is decent. Simmons and Sertan are great. Other than that, we are weak at the position. Caden will start. OJ looked good off the injury. Yeah, they have something with OJ Moody for sure. They're pretty deep at cornerback. Darby, he was shaky. He's not a lockdown guy by any means, but he was better than AJ Boye was a couple years ago. Obviously, Sertan is a future All-Pro in my opinion. Simmons is of that caliber already. Caden Stearns, I think, does have long-term starting potential. They have Jamar Johnson as well. They're in decent hands. Uh, coaching regardless of who they bring in for DC or, or secondary coach. I would continue stocking the shelves though. When you play in division with Derek Carr, Mahomes, Herbert, Scott met, made the point earlier. You can never have too many defensive backs or you can never have too many toys to play with on defense. So I, I would say not a round one need by any means round two need, but you want to start thinking about it in the middle round, just to keep adding to a position of luxury. There's three really, really good corners in this draft. And so far, could change. But if Derek Stingley Jr., uh, Sauce Gardner, Andrew Booth, if you were to take those guys, you could say, okay, I get that. Um, It's actually, like you said, it's a minor need. It's a bigger need than you think because one injury away. And plus, you're on the field in a dime package half the time anyway. You need six DBs sometimes on the field at once. You know, we mentioned four there. Some guys that didn't pan out, some guys that are probably going to leave. So, yeah, it's definitely a bigger need than you think. So, appreciate you, Jonathan. I want to say hello to Tori real quick. And before, Zach, uh, you grab Michaela coming in, it looks like, coming in at the top. So, uh, Tori coming in says, and Tori Thomas, it looks like a new name to me. So, welcome Welcome. to the show. Appreciate your your support. Said, I would love for us to get Hackett to work with Locke. I think that would be a huge help for not only Locke, but for the whole team. And that's the important part, Tori, is – uh, you know, while everybody, we, we root for players, you know, that's why a lot of times I'm pro business, but in sports, I'm really pro labor because I, I root for the, the, the players. I don't care who the owner is. I just don't care. Uh, I'm for the players. So we're all want the players to succeed. If Drew Locke succeeds, great, but you're not bringing in a guy to get the best out of a second round draft pick that that's just not 
going to happen. And, and, and I think anybody that's going to come in is going to reverse interview with the coach because they've got options. Dan Quinn is a hot candidate right now. He could have his pick of probably five or six different jobs. So if I'm Dan Quinn, you got you to gotta sell me. What's your plan for quarterback? What's your plan with the salary cap? And George Payton better have those right answers too, because I don't think anybody's taking this job saying, okay, you know, Zach mentioned the same thing with the coordinators and the flexibility in their hires. They're going to want to have the flexibility with the personnel just as well. And if I'm George Payton and I say, okay, you're going into next season with Drew Locke as your quarterback, you're not going to get the guy you want, period. Yeah, I said accessibility. The word I was looking for was autonomy. And whether they're the GM, head coach, coordinator, they have to have the autonomy to pick their own guys. Listen, you know, as you guys well know, I'm one of the bigger Drew Lock guys around. I still think he can make something of himself with a real legitimate coaching staff around him and support by his head coach for one who doesn't hate him outright. But you're not hiring this head coach with, like Scott laid out perfectly, a second-round pick in mind who seems like he needs a change of scenery in Denver. It doesn't seem like the Broncos are it for Drew Locke, nor the, the Locke it for the Broncos. If they can make something out of him, he is the only quarterback under contract right now in Denver for 2022. If they can make something of him, great. Either as a backup or bridge starter, whatever situation that Drew Locke finds himself in in Denver, if he's in Denver this coming season, great. But you're bringing... Hack it in potentially for the long term, whether that's to continue coaching a guy like Aaron Rodgers or getting the next up and coming quarterback that you can mold. Drew Locke is a is a plan B in the Broncos plan A of what they want to do long term. And Michaela coming in with uh, with, a, a, as always, uh, just the, the generous supers and doing was, Michaela things. Michaela, uh, we, we love you, Michaela. You. I get to say that. I will say, oh, and I might not talk about letting it breathe, but I will say we love you, Michaela, <laughs> for sure. Um, she says, I don't know why, but Quinn scares me. Vic 2.0. And this just hit me. I don't I don't know why. That's why I kind of, I was like, I, I said the right name, right? As I'm reading this, this just hit me. The, the, the only thing they have in common is that they're, they're defensive guys. As far as Vic 2.0, no. No, no, no. It's, this is Pete Carroll. This is a Pete Carroll type of guy with the energy that Pete Carroll brings and the enthusiasm. So if you like Pete Carroll and what he brought to the Seattle Seahawks for the last 10 or 11 years, you'll, and, and that's where that makes sense. Mike Quinn was a defense coordinator of Carroll. That, that makes sense. I'm starting to starting to string it all together. I'm only three quarters ADD, but if you don't like Pete Carroll, then that's what should scare you. So, man, I don't want another, I don't want a Pete Carroll type of coach for the Denver Broncos. Then that's what should scare you. He is a polar opposite to Vic Fangio. There's offense, there's defense. You can't just wipe out 50% of your, of your candidates right off the bat because the right guy might be a defensive guy. So you don't have to worry about him being Fangio 2.0 because they're nothing alike as personalities, nothing at all. Not as personalities, no, but I, the only similarities you can draw is that they're defensive coaches. They're up there in age because Dan Quinn's 51 and Fangio is whatever, 60, 61, whatever. And yeah, his generation apart, dude, come on. I'm they, they, like, they ain't in their 30s or 40s. I'm going to like point. 50 next year. I'm not that old. I'm not, I'm not 65. <laughs> this isn't Dan about Quinn's you, Scott. He's 20 years younger than, than Pete Carroll. Okay, I'll, I'll make Can you another imagine point. Imagine having Dan Quinn till he's Pete Carroll's age, and you got your coach for the next twenty years. Does that sound too old? Come on. Okay, well, what about offensive coordinator hirings? You know, after failing with Pat Shermer, and that's what makes you nervous. Is Vic getting that leash as a defensive mind who didn't pay attention to the offense? I'm not saying Dan Quinn's like that, but you have to look back on his track record. He was one for three in hiring mm. offensive coordinators. He failed miserably with two of them, and he kind of backed his way into Kyle Shanahan, who would have been great under any head coach. I don't think Dan Quinn deserves uh, credit for hiring Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, and again, it's, as a collaborative effort, can he lean on George Payton and do better? Can he do better with it? Because Thomas Dimitrov was criminally bad at what, what he as, as a general manager. Just horrendous. Uh, so that's going to be one of the bigger assets you've wow. got there for sure. This is talking about bigger assets. We have Chris and Zuko's van life. That's got to be that's, Mr. Gaspari, right? Yeah. I saw the Canadian. That's unbelievable. Whoever you are, if it's Christopher Gaspari, Chris and Zuko's van life, that is unbelievable. Thank you so much for that showing of support. We definitely appreciate that. And Chad says it helps keep light on, and it's definitely true around here. So thank you so much. 
Evening, gentlemen. Does Peyton have a say in who is our physical training staff, or is that the head coach's decision? Oh, that's Hashtag- a story. Huh, see? <laughs> oh, I didn't even read that far. The hashtag say to being hashtag MHH for life, a.k.a. Christopher Gaspari. Again, Chris, thank you so much. That's definitely unbelievable. And you are quickly rising up the Mount Rushmore lore. In terms of the training staff, if I was Peyton, I'd say, listen, Lauren, you're fired. You're regardless of what the next head coach says, you're gone. We have to shake it up here. But that is going to be like you use the word perfectly, Scott, a collaborative effort between general manager and head coach. I hope that Peyton has seen it's not just a fluke with Lauren Landau and the training staff. This was years of the same situations, trends, not coincidences. So I would hope that Peyton interjects that, but that's going to be whoever the head coach wants to bring aboard. And more than likely, uh, like they're replacing the entire coaching staff, they're going to bring in their own guys. TBD. Unless you are hiring John Gruden and giving him a 10-year, $150 million contract and making him president, CEO of operations and head coach, George Payton's the boss. George Payton will be the boss of the head coach. He will have a say in everything except maybe ownership. Um, but he will have a, a say in everything that has to do with uh, with the day-to-day. And real quick, before we get to get to Jonathan. Let me, uh, let me bring this up here real quick because uh, after Christopher Gaspari came in, I wanted to show the the rankings on YouTube right now. I updated these today. It's probably a little small. You can't quite see that. Let me zoom in just a tad. Zoom, zoom. And uh, you see the DWI guys is still number one on YouTube. Christopher Gaspari, number two, might have to change the name again real quick. Michaela coming in, Robbie Nunn's four. Mark from Georgia came in big today, too. Um, and you notice uh, Christy made a move up. KR there sitting at number seven. And I want to show you a name, class from the past, who made an appearance on Broncos for breakfast. How about number Pobby? 15? Pobby wow. coming back in. So I think she's very near and dear to the hearts of Broncos country. She kind of uh, had some personal issues when uh, right about the same time I, I – started so it is good to see poppy back so thanks to all of you as we go down the list here uh and you see what a great amount of of uh people we have for that support this show we we certainly appreciate you without a doubt can't say enough scott it came to me christopher goat sparry that's we're going to call him from now on that's your nickname (laughs) you've earned it thank you so much um i want to talk about jonathan real quickly talk about the boss like you mentioned earlier jonathan's the boss of tonight's podcast i see the queen christy uh making her presence felt as she always does we'll get to we'll get to christy in just one second uh jonathan goes i want the, the kid energy hackett offers because i can see myself jumping up off the couch while he's on the sideline going nuts on an 80 yard touchdown he would go nuts if on a two yard handoff the guy is a ball of energy and like i said i i um retweeted his presser he had today and he even said i'm an excitable guy he's always wearing a smile on his face he loves talking about football he'll talk your ear off for an hour he has great insight and it's just he's infectious that's the guy that you want to be coached by that's the guy you want to go win for i mentioned this before scott it was like when you were in school the best teachers you had were like the most fun ones the ones that you felt most connected to and you you learn more from them when there were good teachers you retain more more knowledge you wanted to be in that classroom as opposed to a teacher who would stand up there and drone like charlie brown or stand there like with his aunt like vic fangio that you oh, know treated what, you like you were stupid what player can feed off that no one so you want a guy like hackett who has that kid energy who goes crazy not overly it's not you know it doesn't be too much it's on a shtick that's gen- genuinely how he is and that's what the broncos need a shot of life whether that comes via Nathaniel Hackett or Dan Quinn, who has the same kind of personality, I am all for that. I'm tired of the curmudgeon That And that's that's going to happen. Culture change. Uh, Rodney Garcia, before we get to Christy, uh, came in a while. Thank you for being patient, Rodney. Hopefully you're still here. Appreciate the support. Um, says, Hackett with Drew Locke, if we're unable to get a veteran QB, I want to see Locke in 2019 form with that wristband. He reminded me of Buzz Lightyear against the Texans. Um I think they're honestly, and it came back in the hope. Like, again, we talk about, I'm going to make a comparison here to uh, Baron Browning and Jonathan Cooper, guys who aren't top of the line starters, but we see flashes and we see what hopefully they can be and they can take steps that way. There's some revisionist history that goes on with, with the, the, the four and one or five and one finish 
that Locke had. I think in those five games, he was seven touchdowns, three interceptions. Quarterback rating in the 90s. He was okay. It wasn't the second coming of Josh Allen against the Patriots. He was okay. The problem is you went four and one, and all of a sudden we're going to reset and start over. It's like, wait a minute. We were on an upward trajectory. Shouldn't we have kept going that direction? I absolutely get. I understand that 100%. But his form in 2019 was okay. Good for a young guy. Good for a rookie. But not Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. And then he hits 2020 and CV's taking over in the NFL. He has a new coordinator. And it's not like that coordinator was, uh, you know, Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan. That coordinator was Pat Shermer looking back on it. So he was always kind of at a disadvantage. He did himself no favors in 2020, but uh, I wouldn't say that Drew Locke had a fair shake in Denver. I don't think no, anyone the, would. The arrow's going up for the most part. I'm, I'm happy. I don't want to have big drastic changes. And that's where, you know, that's where I think we can all agree that 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 didn't help anybody. It certainly didn't help Vic Fangio. He, he was gone. He should have been, again, I'm not, I've said it before. I wasn't surprised that he was fired. I was surprised that he was still there. I can't believe he wasn't gone after two years with a new general manager coming in. That was the surprise. Yeah. VJ got two years and Vic got, you know, more than that. So, uh, I don't know. That's just one of those things that the Broncos have to live with. But we have Christy hopping in here. The queen for a reason. I want to do a little bad because I haven't for a while. Christy, thank you so, so much. You know, we love you uh, genuinely and, and heartfelt. Uh, good stuff tonight, guys. As always, thank you so much, Christy. The podcast is always better when you bless us with your presence and you know that you are a legend uh, of this brand. So thank you so much. Uh, yeah, again, appreciate you. It makes me feel good to see that that uh, this show is still getting supported, even if I'm on it. So thank you. <laughs> That's quite <laughs> the you. endorsement. You feel like, hey, you love me. You really love me. At least you don't hate me. You don't. You don't hate me enough to to get rid of it, to uh, to just turn out. It's uh, I appreciate I, I appreciate the the opportunity to be on with uh, with Mile High Huddle and Broncos Country. That's the new slogan. You know, the Huddle Up Podcast. At least you don't hate us. So we can definitely <laughs> it could be definitely a lot worse. Exactly. Uh, Todd hopping in here is Zach and Scott. What players are you pounding the table for? Would you take Kyle Hamilton over uh, Cross, Corral, or Stingley? What do you say about that, Scott? Yes, yes, and yes. I say yes. I say hell yes, and I say ooh, that one's close, but still yeah. yes. Um, I'd take Hamilton. If you took Hamilton number one overall for a safety, I'd say that's ballsy, and he's the best player in this draft. He's the best player in the draft. If you get a game changer at any position, I don't care about I don't care about positional value if you get the guy. There's a saying in scouting that it's not the players you miss that hurt you. It's the players you take and can't play. So, as long as those are the ones that hurt you. If you get Kyle Hamilton and you miss out on Derek Singler as a star or you miss out on Justin Herbert or Josh Allen, I forget which year was which I think it was Josh Allen but you take Bradley Chubb and he's a star if you miss it on Justin Fields but you take up uh Pat Sertan but Pat Sertan's a star you're okay and if Kyle Hamilton is a star and he's got the, I think he's got the best hit chance of anybody in this class I don't care where you take him so yes uh I, he wouldn't fall past four in the New York Jets for me yeah, I was going to say, it depends where are you taking these guys because taking them at 9, taking them at 19 or 29, that makes a big difference. I got to be honest, I'm not really in true draft evaluation mode yet. I'm kind of really super consumed with the head coaching search, and uh, we have free agency coming up before the draft, obviously, but pounding the table early right now, I don't know that I'm pounding the table, but I'm gently knocking on it for N'Kobe Dean. You got to have that trailblazer at linebacker. And again, Scott, the case you laid out between his leadership, which Peyton loves and his versatility and just his playmaking ability, they need that injection in the linebacking core. So early on right now, I love Hamilton. I love Stingley, uh, but Dean is also up there for me. Yeah. appreciate the question, Todd. I, I, I take Hamilton over those three guys. Like I said, yes, hell yes. And uh, probably because Derek, Derek Stingley, Derek Stingley looked like a number one overall, not too yeah. long ago. And Geo Vandermark, help Huge. me out. Zach. I don't recognize that name. Yeah. He's a, he's been around these parts quite a bit. He is a legend in his own right. We well, love you, Geo. And uh, pleased to meet you. Yeah. 
Say hello, Scott, to Gio. Gio, this is Scott on the Huddle Up podcast. Thank you so much, Gio. That's amazing. You are super generous, and that's why you are the aforementioned legend. We don't. I can't pull up the super sticker. I'm gonna assume it's Acid Hippo you know, or not Acid Hippo. Let me let me Hopefully mute. I, I, I forgot I saw this window open, so I'm surprised things are still working. It's a like a jumping happy fox. Okay, I'll with take fireworks it. shooting off. So. Um, it's- it's That's a sign true. of things to come in the Broncos coaching search. The fireworks are going off. We have Jumping Lana, <laughs> Lana, Lana, L. Carter hopping in. Uh, stars. We don't know if they're big stars. As Scott likes I to do. Gotten, but... I still, I, I'm still behind on Facebook. Okay. So let's let's run through. I mean, I'm at 8:43. This these came in almost 30 minutes ago. So we're gonna run through rapid some of fire our stars. time, baby. Uh, we're gonna run through some of our stars. But Phil says I read the Jags are looking at Leftwich. Did Peyton talk with him? Seems like he's a good OC. What's your guys' opinion? I yeah. think he should absolutely be on the head coaching searches. Um, yeah. I think there's rules. You can only have 10 or so. And I think a couple of these guys were brought in to be possible coordinator interviews, and you just did it under the guise of your head coach. So there was only so much room you could do. But I think I think Leftwich absolutely deserves a, uh, a shot at this. I, I, I looked it up. It's like, oh, he's got Tom Brady, this or this and that's. Their, their numbers stayed about flat. Left, which I think was a, the third-ranked offense the year before. With Jameis. Before, before uh, Tom Brady. What's this guy's name again? <laughs> Tom <laughs> Brady got there. Uh, so Leftwich, Leftwich looks pretty good to me. I, I think he should absolutely be on the interview list. Yeah, I was shaking my head because the Broncos have not talked to him, but I think they should have used an interview request for him and not Gannon or Mayo or uh, – uh, Aaron Glenn, for that matter, but they're not talking to him. I think he'll make a, a fine head coach. I think Jackson will be perfect for Leftwich. Work with Trevor Lawrence. He played for Jacksonville. I think that's a perfect match. But no, he did not inter- request an interview, and they're not going to talk to him as of now. So him or Brian Dayball, that was really stunning to me that Peyton didn't reach out, but he has better plans in mind, apparently. Well, Miguel coming in, and <clears throat> I think Miguel's sitting at the top of the Facebook stars right now. If not, he's pretty close because nice. he's always supporting all of our shows. And I know because I'm on all of them, either behind the scenes or, or on. And lately I've been on and we see Miguel all the time. He says, well, can't stay and watch. Just want to show some love. So hopefully when you, when you come back and listen, you, you get the love back from us. So uh, certainly appreciate it. And uh, this is a, a comment coming in again, just real quick. Just want to reiterate uh, from Al Real. So why would Denver fire Fangio and hire another defensive mining coach like Quinn? The Broncos need an offensive-minded coach if they want things to turn around. And again, for me, it's about the personality. It's about the culture change. It's not just offense, defense. It's who's the right guy to lead this right. team. And it might just so happen to be that he's a defensive guy. It might be. It might be. Yeah, I can't be hypocritical. When uh, the, the Raiders snuck into the playoffs, I said they don't have to be offensive, defensive. They don't have to be the, the flashiest, most popular guy, the most expensive guy. They have to be the right guy. And for the Raiders this year to lead them to where they got, considering the turmoil, Basaccio was the right guy. It, it, Peyton, he said it in his press conference. He tipped his hand. He said leadership is the number one quality we're seeking. And in terms of leadership, Dan Quinn blows away the field. And if Peyton thinks he's the right guy, all we can do is trust his judgment and hope he picked the right guy. So the first show that Zach and I did together in our little feeling out process of uh, I, I made mention it was about week six of the season. And I said, I said, Zach, we're in the, the shame on me phase of this relationship. And uh, and Zach says, oh, already? He thought I was talking about me and him. And no, I was talking about me picking the Broncos to win when all they really need to do is show up. They mailed it in. They, that team was done. That team, you could tell by week five that that team didn't want to play for Fangio anymore, yeah. that they were just done. And it's like right then, I was like, that's dead man walking. He, he's, he's a dead man walking. Um, and it's the culture change for sure. But Rodney coming in with some more stars, saying main positions to fill uh, are edge rusher and offensive line. We, we absolutely agree. When we talk about the easiest places to improve this team, other than quarterback, uh, in free agency or draft, it's uh, it's right tackle and then edge. And then to a lesser extent, you know, the, the interior line as well. So appreciate the, the comment, Rodney. He's coming in with stars. Rodney's all over the timeline. Thank you, here. Rodney. Huge generosity from Rodney. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, I want to point out, we're kind of winding down, guys. If you have any questions or comments last minute, get them in. We'll, we'll try to highlight them. But Zebulon, first offseason without Vaughn and pass rusher is immediately the biggest need. Oof, yeah. Well, that's what happens when you whiff with the number five overall pick in Bradley Chubb. When he doesn't work out, you're, you're kind of set back because that's a... That's see, the bluest of blue chips to take at that spot. You passed on Allen, you passed on some other players to take a guy who didn't pan out. So that's what happens. But I'm I'm loving what Vaughn's doing. I think he has six sacks in five games, and playoff Vaughn is activated right now. He's gets to face Tom Brady again, who he's owned in his career. I'm happy for Vaughn and what he's doing in Los Angeles. Vaughn wasn't brought to LA for the regular season. Um right. I, I the more they expand these playoffs, the more it looks like the NCAA tournament where you know the good teams are going to make it and they might drop a game here or there. It doesn't matter. They're going to get their 11-6 and six and get into the playoffs, and then the, 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 then the good teams are going to step up and wipe these teams that were in the hunt at 8-8 eight and eight going into the last week of the season. Um, it, it makes for a watered-down first round of the playoffs, and Vaughn was not brought in to go hair on fire in week 14. Yeah, for sure. Jaden hopping in. Jaden Torres. What do you think about uh, Jen? Isn't he the center for the Buccaneers, Jensen? Not I our don't know much about him. Not our co-host. I think it's Ryan Jensen. Uh, my opinion of him, very yeah, he is the center for the Bucks. Um, if the longer that Brady sticks around and Bruce Arians, for that matter, they're gonna keep the band together as much as they can. So I, I'm I'm assuming he's gonna be a free agent in March. I think if Brady's there, he's going to stay with Brady. So it's one thing to keep in mind. Um, I'm still a big Lloyd Cushenberry truther, though. I, I think the Broncos have something there. You can argue at stretches at times, he was, I know it's not saying much, the most consistent guy, especially because before uh, Quinn Miners got into the starting lineup. So they can upgrade it, on him, but I don't It know. made me nervous how dominated that they got in the trenches by big physical interior linemen on defense. It made me a little nervous there. When when we watched the the, the Broncos really get beat, that whoever had had a had an alpha dog uh, on a, a defensive tackle, uh, and I'm just not sure Cushenberry is a championship caliber interior lineman. Uh, Jacob Foster, championship caliber superstar giver, that's for sure. Appreciate you coming in here, Jacob. DeAngelis Jones and uh, Zebulon. I actually thought I read it. Zebulon Kevin Lind. I read that as like a fraternity name, so I apologize if uh, if your first name is Zebulon. I've been thinking your name's Kevin the entire time, so thanks for uh, thanks for the shout out there. I think we're going to close the podcast tonight, guys. On this note, Scott, Art Powell wants to know. I'll let you go first. Who do you guys have going to the Super Bowl, Scott? Oh goodness, I like the Bills. I do. I like the Bills. I think they are the most complete team. I think uh, they've got a quarterback that can match, maybe even at times exceed the, the quarterback on the other side of the ball. They're both capable of the spectacular. Um, their interior line play on defense is really strong. Uh, they've got playmakers at the back end of their defense as well. They've got skill players. You know, you got digs over there. Um, could use a little bit better out of the running back, but we'll quote Nick and say running backs don't matter, especially when you got a 240 pound running back that's making linebackers look like they're running in quicksand. Uh, you've got your running game. So I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go Packers bills. Hmm. I think I'll go with the Packers to go to, uh, to beat the Rams in the NFC championship. They're not playing this weekend. Are they? I've actually been so wrapped up in this. It's, it's Rams not... and bucks. Okay. I didn't think so. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go. Oh, can the Rams beat the bucks? Oh, that's going to be a heck of a game. So I think I like the Packers. Uh, I do. I like the Packers to go. And I, I like the Bills to finally get. If the Braves can do it, by God. If the Georgia <laughs> Bulldogs can do it, by God. And break a hundred years of curses. Yep. Then it's the Bills' turn. I, I like I like the Bills. I think when they're on, they're as good a team as there is in football right now. Hell, if Kansas City can do it after 50 years, and any team can. That's the thing about Buffalo that scares me is that when they're on, they're pretty much unbeatable. Same for Los Angeles, but they're streaky. You know, didn't Buffalo lose to Jacksonville earlier this year? Yeah, they had a couple of those just uh, – because I was on the Buffalo Bills podcast last night, and I said – I made that same comment about these teams, they they take games off. You know, they just – Let down games. Game season, they just mail it in. They're like, you think so? I'm like, explain to me how you lose to the Jaguars. And he's like, well, yeah, I'm like, and I don't care if you're, you're bringing a Detroit Lions F squad that they brought to Denver. The Bills are better than the Jaguars. 
So it's just throw it out. What what happened? What happened when every home team won except one, didn't they? Except for the the, the Cowboys with only and the Cowboys are probably in the weakest division of the bunch. So maybe their record was inflated a little bit going into the playoffs. Uh, but the, the teams that you expected, the teams that we thought that were the better teams in the AFC and NFC, they all won, and most of them won pretty handily. My preseason pick was that we're going to get a rematch of uh, Bucks and Kansas City. And I'm going to stick with one of those teams. I'm, I think it's Buffalo and Kansas City in the AFC Championship. And if that Kansas City defense just plays a little better, they can win any game in the offense if they hold on to passes. I, I just think Kansas City is getting hot at the right time. They're finding their offense. They're finding ways to get big plays despite teams playing cover two shell, taking away the deep ball. They're getting Tyreek Hill involved. So I'm going to go Kansas City. I'm going to change my pick from Tampa Bay. I don't think they can weather the loss of Chris Godwin, not even Antonio Brown so much, but their running backs are hurt too with Fournette and Rojo. I think they're going to be eliminated, and especially, again, if Los Angeles can play up to their potential, they're pretty much unbeatable if Stafford's on point. So I'm going to say Green Bay, Kansas City in the Super Bowl, and I'm going to say Green Bay wins that. Aaron Rodgers gets another one, and he might walk off in the sunset, a la Peyton Manning. I don't see. I, I that's the one part I I disagree with y'all on. I think if he wins, he's more likely to leave. I think the two scenarios we got that question the other day. What are the scenarios where you see Aaron Rodgers leaving the Packers? One, they get their doors blown off, and he feels like they're too far away, and he wants to go somewhere else. Two, and this is more likely to me, is if he wins a championship. If he wins the championship, um, Buffalo and KC play. Yeah, yeah thank you AFC, for making I, that the, point. The next game, I think, is the AFC championship right. game. Exactly. Uh, I think Tennessee and Bengals are teams three and four. I expect the winner of the Buffalo Kansas City game this weekend, which I picked Buffalo to win 31 27 last night, to be in the Super Bowl. Um, but I, I think I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to win back to back MVPs and then and 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 then say I'm done. Because when you're done, you're done. And you've got the rest of your life to be done. Um he might just say, I'm done with Green Bay. I came back, we had this drama last year. Now I want a new. I've delivered you another Super Bowl. You're welcome. Now I'm in, I'm going for a new challenge. And you know what? Green Bay Packers fans will say thank you and and good luck. God bless. When you're ready to go into the Hall of Fame, we'll be here for you. Yeah, it's certainly a topic that we'll discuss in the weeks ahead. But that's going to do it, I think, guys, for the Huddle Up podcast for this evening. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. I'm looking at the banner, Scott. I don't see – I see a BTB took over our banner section, so we don't have the Huddle Up pod <laughs> banners nor our Twitter banners, but follow the pod on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at Huddle. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. If you haven't, go to HuddleUpPod.com and get yourself – uh, t-shirt, get yourself a hoodie, beanie, coffee cup, all great things at huddleuppod.com. And if you haven't, facebook.com slash huddle, hit that big blue button. Instant access to VIP programming, Kelberman's Corner, Broncos Book Club, and Trickle Zone each and every week. And facebook.com slash pod. Like that page and follow that page. If you haven't, guys, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest, including Scott, a five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every single month. But if you can't do those things, please do these three things. It takes a few seconds. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. Helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Scott, any parting words? No, uh, I don't want it to be Tampa Bay. I've had enough of Brady. He's got enough Same. of them. They won one last year. Great job. Let's let somebody else do it this year. And I think there's, I, I think this is as deep a good group of teams as we've had in a while. I could see one of five or six teams winning it this year. And it's, I think the next couple of weeks are going to be really a lot of fun. Uh, not just for the Denver Broncos, for all the reasons of, a new hope, but you know, the playoffs in the Super Bowl will actually be interesting for a change. <laughs> you know, it'd be a fun game, Buffalo and Cincinnati. That would be a fun game for the, you know, casual and diehard football fan. But we're getting out of here, guys. Back on tomorrow. You have uh, Broncos for breakfast tomorrow morning, Scott? Broncos for breakfast. Building the breakfast for Broncos huddle up huddle. So, yeah, we're back tomorrow. <laughs> Nick and I will be back on tomorrow at 7.30 Mountain Time, 9.30 Eastern. And we'll be ready to talk some more football. And we'll probably get into the draft a little bit. And Nick and I both tend to stray that way some uh, with our with our personal interests. Check that out, guys. Also, we're back on tomorrow night for the end of week Huddle Up podcast, uh, 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern. Take care. And as always, go Broncos. 
You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.